This is Dr. Robert Frankel. I'm an emergency medicine and anti-aging physician, and welcome to the Modern Man Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about important topics for men, which include male aesthetics, health, and wellness. But most importantly, we try to remove the stigma of male aesthetics because I think that it's important to understand what men can do for aesthetics and how important it is to for their social and psychological well-being and ultimately just to feel and look good. So take the journey with me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fun. So enjoy it. I think the next episode will be really interesting and informative. So take a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Again, this is Dr. Rob Frankel. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. So today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the appearance of being tired when you're not. So have you heard the terms working overtime, get some rest, man, or you must be doing some late nights, huh? And none of these are true. There are certain features that we that we might have that change our appearance that make us appear that we are tired when we're not. And so certain features that occur as we get older actually can give us the appearance of fatigue when we might be the best rested than, than we've had and not be having late nights and might be well rested completely. So let's take a look. We're going to look at some of these features. We're going to be looking at what these features are, what we can do about them, how we can improve them, and um, what are the most common ones that are present. So we will start with uh, an area that you might not even think about, and it's actually a very important one. It's actually the temples. So the temple area, which is right, um, right, kind of on the sides of the foreheads, which you kind of all know. Um, often, as we get a little aged, um, become hollow, and when that hollow appearance occurs, it can do a, a few different things. Um, but for sure, that that a hollow appearance of your temples can make you look like you are kind of weathered or tired or fatigued, um, gaunt. These are kind of the expressions that you'll find. But also, what you'll find out is that a hollow temple can affect the areas around your eye as well. Because when the temples are drawn the eyes actually move downward. They actually rotate downward. The lateral portion or the sides of your eyes kind of turn downward, kind of like if you think about how your your sides or your corners of your mouth can turn downward like a frown, the same thing can happen to the sides of your eyes. 
And when you lose volume in your temples, it's the same thing. When you think about it, the the temples kind of hold the apparatus or the structure above your eyes. And so when the temples are lost, that lateral portion of the eyes kind of turn downwards. And so that's the first thing that can occur. And um, the other thing that happens when we lose volume in the temples is the most superior or the top of the eye can also kind of lose its integrity as well. And you can get what we often call hooding, which means that the upper lid and the upper brow are kind of meeting each other. And so that that's distance between the volume of the lid and the brow are closer to each other. And often this can either appear that your eyes are narrower or even sometimes you could appear that that the skin can kind of tent up between those two areas and hood. So when you lose the integrity of the temples, that hooding can occur because of the fact that on the top of the eyebrow, that's going to start to kind of fade downwards. So two things happen. The first thing, like we talked about, the lateral portion of your eye is going to turn on a downward kind of um, trajectory, sort of like the frown of your eye, I call it. And the second thing is that your brows are going to also going to be kind of coming downward because the structure above your eye is all now going to become weakened. And like I said, the initial kind of look of the temples are going to make you look a little gaunt. So it becomes heaviness. Um, this kind of look, people say, looks sleepy, deficient, weak, weakened. Um, and what can you do? What can you do? I, I find that the temples in aesthetic medicine is uh, one of the most important and most overlooked areas because people are maybe uh, gun shy of this area um, or kind of maybe, you know, don't think about it as much because of the fact that it's not kind of in the middle of your face. It's not kind of the part of your face that we look at the most. Um, it's not you know, hanging down, um, like, you know, our lower jaw or, um, around the mouth, but it really is a vital part and vital structure of the entire kind of our appearance. And I tell patients that when you look at, you know, the overall contour of your face, the temples are a key portion that we have to, make sure that we correct if they, it needs correcting because of the fact that it's going to give you overall symmetry of the entire face.
And so the best way to correct this is, of course, with dermal filler and hyaluronic acid. Now, of course, the temple area is a, a large area. It's a large space that you're going to need to fill. Um, and so, obviously, you're going to need a good filler, um, and you're going to need an experienced injector in this area. Because there, for most people who don't even have an anatomy degree, they do know that around the temples, there is big vessels that sit there, and you don't need to have an anatomy or have to have gone through anatomy class to know this, that there's a big vessel that sits there. So it really is important that you not only know the anatomy, but you know the best technique to inject into this area. There's, there's a lot of very safe ways to inject in, into the temples. The way that I inject... Uh, for instance, the filler is not going to be going into a, a place where there are a lot of vessels. There, it's actually a safe space, but it's kind of an area of potential space. So when the filler goes in, it's going to be able to only go into one place, into that voided area where the, the, the filler needs to go. It can't it can't move anywhere else. And if I had a if I had a um, picture, I'd be able to show it to you. That sits right above the eye. The filler goes in. There's no vessels there, but we move the filler into that voided area, so that way we're clear away from any chance of having any interaction with the big vessels, which of course. You know, if you're injecting into that area and you have somebody who's not experienced, there could be significant bruising or you can have um, more significant issues um, if you have an inexperienced injector into that spot. That being said, if you do it the right way, if you have somebody who knows the anatomy, understands the injection techniques, you will have usually a pretty safe experience and you will absolutely have a good improvement because as soon as the filler goes in, what you'll find is that you'll get a lot of improvement into some of the things that I've talked about at the beginning of the podcast. So which filler are we going to use? So which filler are going to be the best and most effective filler into this area? Now, you have to use a filler that's going to be very substantial in this area because this is a large potential space area, meaning that there's a lot of space to fill because as soon as you start injecting, the filler will be taken up quickly by this potential space. And so if you put a thin filler into the space, it's just going to be eaten up and you won't be able to see much of anything. 
Um, so you need something thick. You need something substantial. Juvederm Voluma <clears throat> is definitely one of my workhorses in this area. Uh, Restylane Lift is another good choice, another strong, thick filler. Um, now, with people who are thinner, you can use a moderate size filler, or people who have less volume loss, like you can have people who have a decrease, um, you know, just a little bit of loss of volume. You can use a mid range filler, like a Juvenerm Ultra. You could use uh, Revenus Versa. These are like mid range fillers that are good choices, you know, because this is going to be um, enough of the area that you need, and you'll be able to see a really, really nice effect. So when you inject the filler, the first thing that you're going to want to see is that that you'll see an, almost immediately when the filler goes in and it's done the right way that you'll see a lifting of the eyes so that any of the hooding and any of the kind of droop that you had that made you look kind of tired or fatigued starts to dissipate almost immediately. It's it's pretty a pretty amazing kind of experience watching it happen. And I often kind of take pictures in between because I like to like look at one eye to compare to the other when I inject from one side to the other and you'll see the sagging the, uh, the sagging area that's hooded you know, lift it up pretty quickly. Um, the other thing is that it's also important to remember that with all fillers, that this is, these fillers are going to be, these fillers are going to be hydrophilic, which means they're going to suck up water and you want to fill to undercorrection because of the fact that you don't want to overcorrect or even you don't even want to go to the point where you are correcting you know directly to effacement where which means that the filler goes to the line itself because in some cases this might be too much and you might get a bulge if you filled too much which you know, which definitely is not what what we want. We want a nice kind of flattened appearance. We don't want a in concave in appearance. We want a nice flattened, nice great appearance, which looks good. So when we put the when we place the filler in the temples. What we'll see is you'll start seeing a stronger appearance of the face, a more symmetrical appearance, meaning that all of a sudden that a lot of the areas from the mid face, like the cheeks, start to not become as dominant as they were before because now you have an equally strong temple and that actually 
you know, makes a stronger appearance when the temples are strong. When the temples are strong, it gives a more kind of strong appearance to the face. But besides for that, it's going to lift up the eye. It's going to lift up the eye, but it's also going to upturn the sides of the eye as well. So between all these things be put, put together, you've created a stronger, symmetrical, and you've given a lift to the eyes, which is exactly what you want to do. But most importantly, you've, um, you've given yourself uh, a few more hours of sleep, quote-unquote, so to speak, where, where you don't have your friends saying, how much overtime have you been doing? Why don't you, why don't you, you know, stop working so hard? And that's the first thing. So, so the temples, like I said, definitely one of the most important, most overlooked areas that we work on to kind of help this air, help this problem of, you know, looking tired. The next is obviously we're going to go right at the eyes itself. So if you smile, so I want you to take a minute and look in the mirror and I want you to smile, squint, or kind of look at the computer really, uh, really hard and um, see what you see in the mirror. So we're back. We took a look at that exercise and... What did you see when you looked in the mirror? So you saw those essentially horizontal lines that look like feet from a crow, chicken, whatever you want to call them. I guess, you know, I guess the crows are, are the ones that got the, you know, the um, short end of the stick. And they're the ones who got to, uh, got the call on this problem lines around the eyes because they're commonly called crow's feet, those lines around the eyes. So those lines around the eyes certainly can make you look tired, fatigued, um, and weathered. All those things are certainly true. And often those are created by the movement of smiling, squinting, looking closely at a computer, all those things are movement-related movement related lines that are created. The muscles are constantly making those movements, and so thus that creates the lines. And so when you have those lines, when you have those lines, they are de certainly going to produce that. Um, produce that. So, how do you improve that? Um, so, the way to improve most lines that are created by movement is to help weaken that movement. And of course, I'm talking about neurotoxin, which is includes Botox, Dysport, Zeeman. And, of course, you know, going through all of them, you know, Botox is, um, 
you know, the Q-tip of neurotoxin, which is the most common, um, it's, like I said, Botox will usually kick in about 7 to 10 days. Dysport, also a very good, um, a very good um, brand. It kicks in about 3 days. And I th- I would say that between the two of them, they last similarly, um, similarly priced. And Xeomin, in my experience, although the company says different, Xeomin seems to last a little shorter period of time. So um, it kicks in about 7 to 10 days. Um, it does have the advantage for some people of less preservatives um, within the, the way that they make the neurotoxin. So for some people, they are appreciative of that, or if there's some question of allergy, um, most people do pretty well with Botox and Dysport um, as far as allergy goes. I, I don't recall having a single allergic episode with any patients with um, any of those neurotoxins. But, I mean, just like anything, you know, anything that you put into your body has the potential to cause a allergic reaction. So you have to understand that. it's There's no way around that. Um, but um, for the most part, they're relatively rare. So to get rid of those lines, you're going to inject into those areas of the crow's feet, um, and those lines will be improved uh, by that injection. And, um, you know, you'll do great with that. So that's the first, so that's the first way that we can improve um, the crow's feet, the lines, the horizontal lines around the eyes. Another way that we use is microneedling. Now, I've talked a lot about microneedling in prior podcasts, and microneedling essentially is using a microneedling pen, a small pen that has very small needles, and these needles, what they do is they create an organized injury in the deep layer or dermal layer of the skin that causes you know, this injury that produces new collagen, new elastin to come out. And usually um, with that, it really does improve, you know, improve the area. So a lot of the fine lines, scarring, wrinkles are improved. And for people who are, you know, hesitant to do neurotoxin, they could certainly try microneedling and do series of microneedling to help these lines, especially if they're lines that are there present without movement. Microneedling actually might be a better choice because microneedling does help lines that are more static, lines that are there without movement. Microneedling is essentially, you know, creating um, collagen by inducing it by creating this injury that helps to, um, but helps the the body to get the cells to regenerate and kind of get back to where they should be. So those are the so those are the 
two ways, two major ways that I'll kind of put out to help fix those areas around the eyes, the crow's feet, mostly neurotoxins, the most common. You can go the route of microneedling. I think those are reasonable ways. You could do dermal infusion, like aqua gold, um, is another is another kind of choice. Um, you know, laser, old therapy, all these things have utility as well. Um, they're more they they're more expensive. Um, bang for the buck, I would say. Neurotoxin slash microneedling are a more kind of um, cost-effective and efficient way to fix this problem. Um, but there are other ways to kind of work with it, and, and that's what you sit and have consultations about because, you know, with aesthetic medicine, I'll talk about certain things and, and I'll kind of go through some of the most common ways to do things. But there are other, you know, approaches for everything. And... Um, depending upon what your you know what your specific needs are what your specific issues are you know there are different ways that we can approach you so it's it's really kind of is an individual individual approach and it should be there's no there's no way that you should you know go into a practice and just you know be you know be ready to be injected without any consultation discussion because of the fact that, you know, you, you need to know like what, what is going to be best for you and how you going to, how the, the, uh, how the doctor's going to approach you. So the under eyes, this is another kind of area. So we talked about above your eyes with your temples. We talked about the sides of your eyes at your crow's feet and kind of the last kind of piece of, how you feel, how you appear tired is under eyes. And this could, this can happen because of the fact that we lose kind of fat, our bone structures reset. And so we lose, um, volume underneath our eyes and it becomes hollow underneath our eyes. And so with that hollowness, what does it create? So it creates the appearance of tiredness because a lot of times you will have a discoloration or darkness underneath your eyes. Um, this area we call the tear troughs. Um, so if you, you know, if you are somebody who tears up a lot, you know, and you had this hollowness, this is where the troughs would be. This is where the tears would, this is where the, t the tears would kind of lie. I don't know if that's really true. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's really true. But that being said, this is the area right underneath the eyes that actually creates a lot of issues as far as how people appear kind of tired, fatigued, because they're losing volume here. So how do we improve this? Um now, I, I mean, I talked a lot about this in the episode earlier um, in the series where I talked about the eyes specifically, the eyes have it. Um, I went really deep into this topic, and certainly if this is your issue, I would suggest to go back to that 
uh, podcast and take a listen to that because that gives you a really kind of good kind of full-throated approach to, you know, everything around the eyes. So that being said, I'm going to go through some of the more common fixes in this um, in this uh, area, though. So the common things that we can do to help, you know, the kind of loss of volume, the hyperpigmentation, kind of the darkness around the eyes are... One of the things I just talked about, dermal filler slash aqua gold, where we're actually using small needles um, that have Botox and filler kind of infused in them. And you're at a micro level placing this into the superficial area of the skin. And so this is a really nice approach because of the fact that this helps infuse filler at a really kind of micro level. And for a lot of patients, they don't need like deep filler or they don't need kind of the, you know, the large amount of filler that kind of gives gives that volume. They just need a little, little kind of plump, um, you know, to the surface of the skin. And the Botox helps to um, close the pores which is really kind of a big issue um, around this area as well, um, which will effectively help the area underneath the eyes. So we do this a lot. Um, so dermal infusion, um, aqua gold, where we're using Botox, dermal filler, sometimes even vitamin C. We can mix anything into the dermal infusion, uh, canisters, which are great. They're s little small canisters, um, and the needles are, you know, basically hollow, and you're able to infuse, you know, micro doses of these products into the superficial layer of the skin, and it works great because of the fact that you're you're getting kind of these sensitive areas, and you're getting great results. Another another uh, approach is doing PRP slash PRF um, with microneedling underneath the, the, the eyes, which is a phenomenal approach as well. We get amazing results with this. Um, the PRF um, we, are, we work with, we get really nice results because of the fact that, again, you're you're essentially you know creating an organized injury under the skin, but you're mixing this with PRF, which has stem cells growth factors that are going to kind of mix with the damage or you know the deep collagen, and they're going to help improve this area under the skin. So again, um, you know, listen to the PRF. Uh, PRP podcast because we went really deep into that topic about you know the whole science behind it and it's it's amazing the results that we get and the last of course is just injecting filler right into this area too um, and of course I've talked about this a lot this area of course is a sensitive area um, you have to use a filler that's going to be um, thin enough to 
be um, useful in this area. You don't want anything too thick. You don't want anything that's going to be lumpy. You want something that's going to, you know, be appropriate for this area. And my, you know, favorites are Belotero and or Vobella, um, you know, because you don't want anything that's going to make this area puffy. So you want as little, um, you want as little volume of um, water, you know, coming into this area. So the filler shouldn't attract too much water. You want a thin filler that's kind of just kind of taking up the space, kind of making that space, and just kind of holding there. Because if you look at, you know, filler that had gone bad in this area, it's usually the filler that is injected causes the problem because if the filler is too either too thick or it's it's actually uh, attracting too much moisture or water into the area it makes the eyes look puffy and that's exactly the opposite of what we want to do so you don't want to go from hollow to puffy you want to go from hollow to nice and smooth so you know it's important that you use a kind of thin filler uh, like a Bellotero, and um, you know it's definitely it's definitely my favorite for this area. So I mean, like I said, so the appearance of fatigue, um, I think are I think are the most common reasons why patients are going to um, have this issue where people are. You know, thinking that you're doing lots of overtime when you're sitting at home on your couch is often because of, you know, three specific areas, the temples, the crow's feet, and underneath the eyes. And you don't have to have all three of these. Often people do. Um, but you can have one or two of these areas that are, you know, not, you know, fully um you know that are that are somewhat deficient and not you know like at its best, and that and alone can make you look fatigued or tired. Um, so that being said, um, you know it's another thing. It might not be you know like I don't I aesthetics is not all about you know vanity. It's all about kind of like you know how you appear in the outside world. And, you know, it, it gives you kind of advantage in many different, many different ways. So, um, you know, if you feel that, um, this is an issue, then you get a consult and you take a look, we'll take a look and see, is this, is, are these issues, are these issues, uh, the reason why, or maybe you just need sleep. Who knows? I don't know. And you just don't realize it. Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're like me, and you only sleep like two hours, a, you know, two hours a night, and um, you know you think that's enough, and maybe it's not. Or maybe there is something really that you know you can improve. Either way, uh, we'll find out. So, that being said, <clears throat> thank you for uh, your listenership. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, this podcast is been is is uh, lots of fun and i hope you guys are learning lots from it 
Um, I love doing it. I love enjoy it. And um, we will continue and have a great day. Thank you.